Good morning and welcome to Midway this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Appreciate your presence so much. And as has already been stated, if you're looking for a place to worship and work for God, we want you to be here with us at Midway so that we can labor together and be fellow laborers of the Lord. As we begin our lesson this morning, have you ever tried to pick up something that was just too heavy to pick up? Now, I don't know if this guy ever got that weighed up or not. Somebody took a picture of him, and I decided to use that to illustrate this morning. But I know one thing. I know it's always easier to pick up something if you have some help. It's much easier if you've got someone to be there with you and to help you pick things up. It becomes so much easier. As I think about that this morning... I am aware that there are some people, it seems, who uh, labor under the false notion that Christians should not have weight to pick up. They shouldn't have burdens in their life. And I believe that I know the author of that lie. I believe it's the devil. You know why? I think the devil wants people to believe that as a Christian you shouldn't have any troubles, you shouldn't have any problems, you shouldn't have any burdens to bear. Because he wants you to become frustrated and discouraged so that you'll turn away from the Lord. You know, if a person is, is under, undergoing so many things in his life or her life that, that they believe they shouldn't do, and they're Christian, and, and yet they have all of these problems and these hurts in their life, you know, it'd be easy to become discouraged. It'd be easy to become frustrated and to turn our back on the Lord. But you know, the Bible teaches us very clearly that as Christians, we are going to have some hard times in life. We're going to have some frustrations. We're going to have some discouragements in life. And we need to remember that. In the book of John, chapter 16, at verse 33, Jesus says to his apostles on the night before his crucifixion, he says these words, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He, he let them know that they were going to have some problems while they were alive on the earth. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 17, the Apostle Paul speaks about our affliction. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He said there are things that we go through in life. There are hurts and heartaches and all of these things that we go through. He says, but they're in all reality light, but they're preparing us for something better. They're preparing us for something eternal. But the fact is, we're going to have them. And then not only that, but in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, James writes, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so again, we're warned, and we understand that, that we're going to have these things, and that they can make us better. They can get us, you know, from a point where we're weak to a place where we are strong. We need to remember that. We don't need to labor under the false notion that we should not have burdens and problems and trials. Because all of us have these different burdens in life. It may be sorrow and grief. It may be sickness and aging. It may be the burden of disappointments or emotional difficulties or emotional scars. Or it may be a difficult marriage or it may be children with special needs or, or perhaps even a child with a rebellious spirit 
It may be unemployment or underemployment. It may be all kinds of things. And it may even be that we're laboring under the heaviest of all burdens, the burden of sin. The psalmist called that a burden when he said in the book of Psalm 38, verse number 4, he said, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a burden. They, have, they are too heavy for me. So all of us have these things in our life. But do you realize this morning that the Bible has some interesting things to say about burdens? About the burdens that we as Christians sometimes have. What I want us to do this morning in the time that we have remaining is look at three things that the Bible has to say. And we'll have more to say about one of them than the others. But I want us to think about three things that the Bible has to say about our burdens. Number one, I want us to go to the passage that was read to us this morning by Derek, the book of Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to look, first of all, we'll start and go backwards if you will. I want you to look first of all at verse number 5. Verse number 5 of Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes and says, For each will have to bear his own load. That's reading from the English Standard Version. Each will have to bear his own load. I want you to think about that. In some translations, each one will have to bear his own burden. But as we think about that word load or that word burden, depending upon your translation, that word that's translated load in the English Standard Version refers to a weight, but it does not have anything to say about how heavy it is. It does not talk about a burden being so heavy that a person cannot bear it. It just talks about loads that we have to carry. And you know what? As we, as we consider that, there are some burdens that each one of us have to carry ourselves. That's, that's what he says, isn't it? Each one should bear his own load, carry his own load. There are some burdens, there are some loads that we ourselves must carry. No one can help us with them. You see, I have to believe for myself. I have to repent for myself. Nobody else can do those two things for me. I have to maintain my own purity myself. Nobody can do that for me. I, I have to worship myself. I, I can't get someone to worship for me. I have to do that myself. And you know what? Nobody can answer for you at the judgment bar of God except you. You will have to do that on your own. I've often said that the only persons who will give account of you other than yourself is the elders of the Lord's church under which you labor. But other than that, you are the one who will have to stand before God. You'll have to answer to God. Nobody can do that for you. And so as Paul writes in the book of Galatians chapter 6 at verse number 5, he says there are some things that we have to carry ourselves. We are to carry our own load. But I want you to back up from verse 5 back up to verse 2. And in verse 2, Paul writes and says uh, this. I skipped a blank there. So you all can catch up as I'm going. Verse 2, Paul says... Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul almost seems to contradict himself, doesn't he? From verse 5, where he said we've got to do it on our own, back up to verse 2, Paul says that we're to help one another. Well, let me assure you this morning that Paul does not contradict himself. Uh, but 
I want you to be thinking about that for just a minute or two. We're going to come back to it. We'll talk about that bearing the burdens of each other. But let's go to the third one very quickly. And this time we'll back up out of the book of Galatians all the way back to the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And in Psalm 55, at verse 22, the psalmist says this, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Paul says, hey, we've got some help. Or rather, the psalmist says, we've got some help. And our help is God. Now, how do those last two... In in Galatians 6, verse 5, and Psalm 55, verse 22, how do those last two relate to each other? How is it that, that we're to bear one another's burdens and also allow God to bear our burdens for us, that we're to cast them on Him? Well, that's what we want to spend some time thinking about this morning. Spend the remainder of our time talking about. And we'll try, to, we'll try to understand that just like that weightlifter is struggling under the weight that he's trying to lift, if he just had somebody on either end of that barbell, it would be so much easier. And we may think about it in this way this morning, that we're the weightlifter and we do have someone on each end. We have other Christians and we have God who can help us to lift that weight, to lift those burdens that we have in our life. Well, let's go back to Galatians chapter 6 at verse number uh, 2. And let's think about what the Apostle Paul said and, and what does he mean. Just what does he mean when he says that we are to bear one another's burdens? Well, we have to begin in verse number 1 to get the full details, the full understanding. Paul writes and says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness... Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I want you to to notice that Paul talks about being caught in any transgression. You know, when we read that, it may be that what comes into our mind is this, that we have been discovered, that that somebody found out we, we did something wrong, that they caught us committing a sin. Well, no, that's not what Paul writes. That's not even close to what Paul writes. You see, the word caught that's used there is a very interesting word. That word means to eat before others have an opportunity. You say, preacher, I'm confused. What in the world does that have to do with bearing burdens? To eat before others have an opportunity. That word is used... Another place in the Word of God, matter of fact, it's used in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 21, where in reference to the eating of the Lord's Supper or the fact that the Corinthians were not doing it in the proper way, Paul writes and says, For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. That's the same same word that's used here in the book of Galatians chapter 6. At verse number 1, the one that says goes ahead with in the book of First Paul, what are you talking about? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 21, we have what we would call an active verb. 
those, those people at Corinth, they were literally eating their meal before other Christians were there. And some were having to do it. They were, they were actively eating their meal. But unlike the folks in Corinth, the one who is caught in transgression is in a passive state. He's not doing the eating. He is the one who is being eaten. He is being eaten. His spirituality is being eaten alive. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, perhaps when we think about what it says, it will help this passage to come clearly into focus. Do you remember what Peter wrote? He said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, there are occasions in our life when, when the devil catches up with us. That roaring lion that is behind us, he catches up with us. And he begins to take bites out of us. And he grabs hold of us. That lion grabs a hold of us and holds us down and begins to tear away at our spirituality. That's one who's caught in trespasses. That's the idea. One who has being, is being eaten before he can do anything about it. I would suggest to you that person needs... Some help, does he not? That brother or sister is in need of some help. And so Paul instructs those who are faithful, those who are spiritual, those who are righteous, to restore him. To restore him in the spirit of meekness. That word restore is interesting too. It literally means to repair or to, to, to mend it's the word that was used in reference to, to James and, and John when Jesus came to their boat and saw them on that day as they were there mending their nets. According to the book of Mark chapter 1 at verse number 19, they were, they were repairing their nets. They were fixing the holes in the nets so they could catch the fish. Well, you know what? This person that Paul is writing about in the book of Galatians chapter 6 has been caught by the devil. And the devil has gnawed some holes in him. He has a hold of him. And he needs those holes, those, those injuries, those spiritual injuries. He needs them to be repaired, to be able to heal. And so the person who is caught by the lion caught in that trespass needs some help. And that falls on us, doesn't it? You know, sometimes when one who we see has been caught in a trespass or a sin, there's some people that do the wrong thing in regard to that brother or sister. You know what they do? They criticize that brother or sister because they've been caught by the devil. And that's not right. They may throw stones at that brother or sister who's been caught by the devil. 
We look down on them. We look, we look at them like, you crazy person, you shouldn't have been caught. That's wrong. That's not what Paul tells us to do. That's opposite of what he says. You know, sometimes when people are caught by the devil, we talk about them. We talk bad about them, don't we? We shouldn't do that. Because that's not what Paul told us to do. You see, we're told by this Scripture to go out and to seek that person and reclaim, recover, restore those who are going wrong. Those have been, who have been caught by the devil. You see, injuries like these take time and additional care to heal. They're problems in our life. They're burdens. They're weights that we carry. And they don't just heal as soon as the devil turns us loose. We need some additional help. It needs time and additional care in healing that person. And so, that's where Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 comes in. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Contextually, this bearing of burdens that's spoken about here in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2 is with helping that brother or sister who has been caught by the devil, caught in that transgression. And, and you know what? The word that's translated here in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2 is different than the one that's down in verse number 5. This, this burden that's mentioned here in verse number 2 is a word which, which literally means something that is, uh, that is a weight that is pressing one physically that's almost unbearable. And therefore, you need someone on the end of the barbell. You're in the middle, you're trying to pick it up, and you need somebody to spot you. You need somebody to help you to bear that burden. That's what Paul's talking about here. That's what he's telling us to do. Now with that in mind, let's ask another question. What does God do? What does God do? You remember what we read in the book of Psalm 55 at verse 22. He said, cast your burden on the Lord and He'll sustain you. He tells us that, but that's Old Testament, isn't it? Well, what about what is said in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse number 7? 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse number 7, Peter says, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Here are these anxieties, these, these burdens that we're bearing, that we are to cast on the Lord that we are to hand over to Him, that we are to allow Him to be on the other side of the barbell, helping us to pick up. We are to cast our anxieties, our cares, our burdens on Him. Incidentally, when you read 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse number 7, have you ever realized that it's in the context of what is said in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 in regard to that devil? who is the roaring lion, who's walking around, seeking whom he may devour. We're to cast our care upon him. Verse 7, verse 8, we have the devil coming along behind us. We need the help of the Lord. 
You know, when we think about this brother or this sister who is needing some help, how does God help that person? How does God help him? Does he zap the devil? You know, does he push the lion off in a, in a pit? Get us out of trouble? Does he miraculously pick us up and move us somewhere where we're completely out of danger? No. Can't find that in Scripture. So, so what does God do? How, how does He help us? Like Jesus, who hasn't prayed at one point in his or her life? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. We've been going through something. I don't know what it is. But we've prayed and we said, Father, could you just take it out of the way? Could you just get it off of me? Could you just move it? But like Jesus, sometimes God says, no. He says no. But may I ask you this morning, what if He says no? What if... He says no. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's do just a little bit of reading together. Beginning at verse number 7 and going through verse number 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9. Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Is that not Paul praying the same thing that, that, that Jesus prayed? Take this cup away from me. Paul says, Three times I prayed that. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. You know what? When I read that, that's almost empty words. Preacher, you shouldn't say that. You expect the grace of God to take care of Paul? I do. But what does he mean by that? What was Paul given? Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it was. Nobody else knows what it was. Paul didn't choose to tell us exactly what it was. Dr. Luke may have, may have been able to diagnose it, but he didn't tell us what it was. Paul says, I have a thorn in the flesh, though. With that in mind, having understood that he's prayed prior to the time that he writes what he said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and God has answered and said, well, my grace is sufficient for you. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and look beginning at verse number 5. Paul writes and says, For even when we came into Macedonia... Our bodies had no rest. Do you realize that the word bodies there is the same word 
that's used in regard to flesh, thorn in the flesh. His body, his flesh, it had no rest, he says. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Now I want you to watch closely verse 6. But God, God's going to work. God's going to shed His grace on Paul. But God, who comforts the downcast, is that not what Paul was when he went to God in prayer three times? Asking God to remove whatever the thorn in the flesh was. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. Oh, God is helping. His grace is working. But don't stop reading. Who comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only us by his coming, but also the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. I want you to understand this morning, by His grace, God comforted Paul. Right? God is the one who comforted Paul. says that. We know that it's the grace of God that's doing that. But God comforted Paul, according to this passage, by the coming of Titus. And both Paul and Titus, according to this passage, were comforted by the Christians in Corinth. Now what does that mean to us? Brethren, by helping our brothers and sisters to bear their burdens, God is using us to provide His comfort, to provide His help. To others. Ultimately, folks, we're God's eyes, we're God's ears, we're God's tongue, we're God's hands to help others. No wonder the apostle would write, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, that is God using you and using me to help the person sitting in the pew beside you. And that person is helping you perhaps at some point in your life. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, quickly this morning, how can we help to bear the burdens of others? Folks, we should never pass up an opportunity to pray for them. We need to be praying, people. We need to remember that. And, and you know what? When somebody asks us for prayer, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Pray. Don't lie to them. Pray for them. Number two, always offer a listening ear. Be willing to listen. Always offer that listening ear and shoulder upon which they can cry. 
Sometimes that may be all they need. Somebody to listen. To help them work through it. Number three. Communicate positive and encouraging words to that person. You know, that could be speaking those words. It could be writing those words. Either way, those words can be encouraging to someone. Cards mean so much to people. Calls mean so much to people. But spend some time communicating positive and encouraging words. Number four, look for simple, obvious, and practical ways to help. Simple, obvious, practical ways to help. Visit those who are shut in or in the hospital and ask them what you can do for them. Look for ways to help those who are advanced in age, who may not be able to take care of even the things around their own house, their own home. Look for ways to help those who have young families or or families with special needs and help as best you can. Look for those who are struggling emotionally or socially or even financially and be willing to, to help in those ways. But most importantly, just be there. Be there and offer your heart, your love, your life. Use the relationship that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ to be one who lifts them up, who helps to get the burden. Be the one standing on either end, one of the ends of the barbells, helping to raise it up. As we bring this lesson to a close, coming to realize that someone has a burden requires that we have active involvement in their life. we got to know them. If we're not open and honest enough about our struggles, then, then no one's ever going to know. So that means we have to be willing to open up and to let folks know. If we're not observant, though, or interested enough, then we won't notice even when someone is struggling. Once we have an idea that someone is needs us, that they're hurting, they've been caught, that person needs to be willing to allow others to help. And if we're not, then we're robbing them as well, but we're robbing ourselves of the help that God has promised, that He would assist us with through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says, by helping to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters, we fulfill the law of Christ. That doesn't mean all we have to do is to help each other and be done with it. But rather, if we're not doing this, we're not fully doing what God's law demands of us. Paul said, bear one another's burdens. That brother, that sister who, who's hurting, 
who's been caught by the devil, who, who's been, the devil has been gnawing on them, taking out holes, would be there for them. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Good friends, if we implemented the practice that Paul puts on paper, how much better we all would be. It may be this morning that you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. God's invitation is open to you. It's always open, but... In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation song. If you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, and you want to have the blood of Christ to wash your sins away, today is, is the best day of all to do it. It may be that in the past you've become a Christian, but the devil has caught you. He's held on to you. He's gnawed on you. And you need to come back. We're here for you. We want to help you mend and repair and restore your life to bear your burdens as we go through life. If you need to come for any reason this morning, do it right now.